Did you know that I have some study guides that I have written? Sisters just like you who really want to know the deeper things of God. Who want to understand God's attributes like love, truth, God is righteous, and just what does it mean that He's only present and omniscient? What does that mean for you personally? We want to talk about Jesus and being justified and sanctified and to be redeemed. How can you apply it to your daily life? There's so many other questions. Can we really trust the Bible? Who are we as man? How real? These are great questions that we need to know the answers to as we are walking in our Christ-like faith. To love Him is to know Him. And Jesus said that we will worship Him in spirit and truth. And it is the truth that sets us free. So if you want to go deeper in your walk, with God and have more understanding of the things that He has truly done for you and know more of the word for yourself, I highly recommend this study guide. I will have a link for you in the show notes on where you can get it. It is on Amazon and it's called Equipping the Saints. I hope this episode blesses you. Also, I will have a show Father help us for you and we will have some homework as well. I have bless seven items up there in the show notes for you on the homework and those kind of things. So enjoy this teaching. Grab your Bible and just listen along as we go verse by verse for their lost loved ones. God, I pray over their finances as I know times are tough out there nowadays. And Lord, so much is going on and persecution is coming and and, and we're we're being pushed back upon. Father, what's good is being called evil and what's evil is being called good. And and Lord, it is really this upside down So help us to stand strong, stand united in the gospel to love one another and love the lost world for you are coming back soon Lord and we want to have our lamps filled with oil and our wicks trimmed and ready so we want to be ready for our bridegroom and be a bride without spot and blemish for you Lord we thank you once again for all that you do in our lives He's also Jesus the judge. Name, amen. God, God bless you, sisters. Until next time. To be the judge. When we get to heaven, it'll be Jesus Christ that judges us. It judges all of mankind. Now, only God could judge because you have to be omniscient to be able to judge. You have to be. You have to be all knowing, all powerful, all places at all times. You have to be one hundred percent righteous, sinless, perfect, all truth. Never found a lie among you. Only God can be a perfect judge. And here Jesus is saying, all judgment's been given to me by the Father. Number six, regeneration. He has the power to save souls. Now we know only God can save a dead man. Only God can bring a dead person dead in their sins and trespasses and bring them into life and bring them into eternal life. And Jesus is saying, I am the God of regeneration. I'm able to regenerate souls. And then number seven, he's self-existent. He has no need of anyone or anything. He is creator God. He is eternal. He is transcendent. He is the alpha. He's outside of time in his deity. Now he put some of that down in order to put on man, but he's showing you that I am not only a physical man as I stand before you, although he is, he is 100% man, but he's also saying to you, I'm also God. I am Emmanuel. I'm God with you. So that kind of brings us to where we are today. So he's showing you. Now I'm going to show you my deity. I'm going to show you I'm more than just a mere man. I'm also God. 
And now what he's going to do, now when we're going to verse 30, he's going to say, I'm going to prove it to you using Old Testament ways. In the Old Testament, whenever you would put somebody on trial, you had to have two or three witnesses. So now Jesus is going to say, now I'm going to show you two or three witnesses that I am the I am. I want to remind you guys of something in the very beginning when we first started got the Gospel of John. I had put a pamphlet, a PDF up on the Be the Church discussion group. Remember the seven I am's? How Jesus declared himself I am seven times in this in in that this particular gospel? Yeah, they would have put him out. Yeah, the I am. Now no one could attribute that to anyone other than Jesus to God. And here's Jesus saying, I am. That I am. I am. And we have the seven I am. So go back and look at that if you didn't get that. Because we really need to understand that Jesus is fully God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God the Son. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, if you guys, A, were not here last week, or B, remember, I put those articles up on Be the Church. It's really important. These are orthodox foundations of our Christianity. Jesus being the Son being Jesus being fully God and fully man, it's called the hypostatic union. It's really important that you understand that that is a central doctrine of our faith. That is a saving doctrine of our faith. The Trinity is a saving gospel or saving attribute of our faith. That's an orthodox, that's an essential. We divide with people that do not believe in the Trinity. Divide if they do not believe that Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. That's the hypostatic union. Um, what else did I put on there? I put three different articles. The hypostatic union, Jesus is... God, and then the Trinity. So those three. So that to understand the hypostatic union, you must understand the Trinity and how the Trinity works. It's still one God, and they're all one essence, but operating in three different persons. Now, we fully admit that our finite minds cannot fully comprehend the Trinity. We know the scripture teaches it. We know it starts from Genesis all the way through Revelations, that the Trinity is taught, that God reveals himself through the Father, he reveals himself through the Son, and he reveals himself through the Holy Spirit. And although we can't fully comprehend it because God is the creator and we are the creation, we still trust and believe it because the scriptures teach it. And that's really where Jesus is coming th from through here. So anyway, so we're going to set that up now. So we're going to get into the next part of Jesus is still speaking. Remember, he's speaking to the Pharisees, the religious people here. And so here we are, verse 30. I can of myself do nothing as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus is sinless. He has his own will. He has his own personhood as the second person of the Trinity. But he cannot sin against God. He cannot go opposite of God's will. It's, thy, it's God's will be done always because Jesus is sinless. He is perfect. And he's talking morally here. I cannot go against my Father. Whatever the Father is doing, I'm doing because we're one. We're one in essence. Yes, I have a different uh, personhood. Yes, I have a different will. Yes, I have a different um, job to do. But we're one in essence, and I cannot go against myself or my God the Father. He submitted to the Father. And so he cannot sin against God. He is sinless perfection. Verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. He's saying, if, he's not saying that if he were to bear witness of himself, it's not true. God, he's God. He, does, he's, he can bear witness to anything he wants. What he's saying here is, I get that you guys want more than one witness, not just me. So now I'm going to set the stage and I'm going to give you two or three more witnesses to prove to you that I am God in the flesh. I am the Messiah. I am the one that has been prophesied about 
for 10,000 years. I'm, I, I am him. And so he's going to, he's, so remember his audience, they're going to know the old Testament and they're going to know what he means by this. So verse 32, there is another who bears witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. John the Baptist. No one denied that John the Baptist was not a prophet to Israel. They knew he was a prophet from the time that he got old enough. He was the, he was the, he was the prophet in the wilderness. The Pharisees followed him. They believed in his word. They knew, they called him a prophet, right? Remember in John chapter 1, the, the Pharisees went up, went up to him and said, Who are you? They even thought he was Elijah. They thought he was Elijah who come back from the dead. They believed that he was the forerunner for the Messiah. And they said, who are you? Are you, are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I'm the forerunner of the Lord. And you guys can go back and read chapter one. John the Baptist says, he says, when he sees Jesus, he says, behold, the lamb of God. Remember? He says, Behold, I'm in chapter 1, just kind of going through some of the verses. Who takes away all the sin of the world. Behold, he's the Lamb of God. He says it again in 36. John the Baptist says, I, I'm not the one you seek. I'm the one that's, I'm the voice crying out for the Messiah to come. I'm the prophet that was prophesied about that would come to, to bring the Messiah to you, to show you who the Messiah is. And they, did, they believed John. They called John a prophet. They never called him a false prophet. And remember in the Old Testament, a prophet cannot falsely prophesy. If they falsely prophesy even one time, they will be stoned to death immediately. They didn't see him as a false prophet. So Jesus is saying, man, this is somebody you guys believed. You even called him a prophet and he prophesied about me. So there's one witness right there. John the Baptist, whom you believed, whom you followed. You have sent to John, and he has bore witness of the truth, verse 34, yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He's saying, listen, I don't need man's approval. I don't need that John the, Bapti John the Baptist actually said was my forerunner. I didn't need that. I'm, I'm Jesus Christ, the creator, but because I desire that you guys be saved, I'm going to set this up for you and give you two or three witnesses. I'm going to give you what you're looking for so that maybe you'll believe that I am he. I am the one that has been prophesied about. I am the Messiah. I am the one that came to take all the sins of the world. I am the one you've been looking for and that your forefathers would, were looking for. So I'm willing to set this up for you so that you might believe in me. Because remember Jesus said you must believe in him. Not just a believe with your mouth, but you must have a heart change, a true believing in your heart. It is a true, you can have a faith, you can have a belief in Jesus and not believe in him. Remember in John chapter 2, he was doing all those signs, wonders, and miracles, and all these people started following him, and he said, I know your hearts. You say you believe in me, but I'm not committing myself to you because I know your hearts. You guys don't actually believe in me. You just want what I can give you. And don't we have that going on a lot today? Health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. I don't really want holiness. I don't really want righteousness. I don't want to have, I don't want him to be the Lord actually over my life where I have to walk as an obedient child. 
I just want what you can give me while I'm here. I just need some comfortability here. I want my flesh to be comfortable. I want to be able to sleep at night not thinking about going to hell. Right? Mm -hmm. And so he's saying, hey, I don't, need to, I, I don't need to do this, but I love you. I came for you. I want to see you saved. So I will build this up for you, these two or three witnesses. Verse 35. He was the burning and the shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. He's still talking about John the Baptist here. He's saying he was that burning, shining lamp for me. He was preparing the way for the Messiah to come. And he burned with zeal. He was zealot. He burned with zealousy for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He burned with passion. He ate honey and locusts in the wilderness. He, he burned with desire for people to see the Messiah. And do you guys not know that should be us? We should have that same zealous attitude towards presenting Jesus Christ to this lost world. We should be burning lights of passion and fire, laying down the things of this world, willing to eat the locusts and the honey, go into the wilderness if it means spending more time with the Father, getting to know Jesus, getting to know his word, so that we can be that burning light into this dark, dark, lost world. You know, we talk about where, you know, we're, some of us are getting ready to go to Mexico. We're going to be doing a mission trip in October. But the greatest mission field today is now America. What once used to be the, the, the light of the hill, the shining light to the rest of the world for Jesus Christ, we have now become morally bankrupt. And we have so many false, false gospels and false teachers and false religions on every corner of the streets now. The people don't even know who the real Jesus is. They don't even realize who he is anymore and what we're called to. And so we need to be those burning lights, zealous, zealous to tell our neighbors about Jesus, zealous to tell our coworkers, our family, our friends, to get on the streets. We're going to do a little outreach tomorrow night. We're going to get on the Metro bus and we're going to drive and we're just going to ride the Metro bus around Akron. And we're just going to start telling people about Jesus. And then we're going to go to the Akron Library because a lot of the homeless will hang out there. And we're just going to sit with people and just love them and tell them about Jesus. And we're going to go to Lock 3. We're gonna, wherever Jesus takes, wherever the Holy Spirit takes us tomorrow night. And we're just going to go be a burning light in a darkness in, a in Akron. And just let people know about their creator, about their Messiah, their Savior. We're going to go take people to the pool of Bethesda, the pool of mercy tomorrow. And so... Verse 36, but I have a greater witness, that's John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. He says, I've got even a greater witness than John the Baptist, whom you all followed, whom you all believed as a prophet. I've got an even greater witness than that. The works that are being done through me, the signs, wonders, and miracles that you guys are seeing. I was the same one that did the sign, wonder, and miracle in the temple where I flipped the tables. That was a sign, wonder, and miracle that he wasn't arrested right then and there. Remember we kind of talked about that? He turned the water into wine. He healed the lame man that was paralyzed for 38 years just two weeks ago, right? Then he healed the nobleman's son and didn't even have to go to the nobleman's house. He didn't even have to go lay hands. He just healed him. He said he's healed. He wasn't even in the same city as the son was. Right? 
He's saying, the works that I'm doing, you have never, even Nicodemus, remember when Nicodemus came at night to see Jesus? And he said, we know that you're of God. We don't understand who you are, but we know you must be of God because we have never seen these, we've never seen signs, wonders, and miracles like this. So who are you? So they recognize that, gee, there's something about Jesus that's very different than anyone or anything they've ever encountered in their whole life. And he's saying, my works are from the Father. This is the second witness that what I'm saying to you is true. That what I just said to you about the seven different ways where I've just set up to you that I am God in flesh, that I am the second person of the Trinity, is true. That's a greater witness. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You neither have heard his voice any time, nor have you seen his form. Remember when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit came down upon him, and the skies opened up, and, and God the Father spoke audibly and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father has declared, This is the Son of God. This is the Son whom I've sent you. Listen to him. Now, would God send us a liar? Okay, so then if Jesus isn't God, he's a liar, right? Did God send us a liar? You have to ask yourself. We talked about this last week. You have to come to this conclusion. There's either there's only two conclusions you can come to after reading John chapter 5. Either Jesus is God in the flesh, operating in the second personhood of the Trinity, is God the Son. He's also fully man, and he's the Messiah, or he's straight crazy. And he is a liar and a blasphemer and he deserved the cross and he deserved to die. He's, not, he's a sinner. And if he's a sinner and he's not who he says he is, then there's no atonement for our sins sitting here tonight. We might as well pack our Bibles up and go back out into the world and enjoy what little bit of life we have left because there's no atonement for our sin. Because it, it had to be a perfect lamb that took our sin at the cross. So you have to you coming to you have to come to one of those conclusions. Either he's God, he's sinless, he's perfect, he's the lamb that's taking away the sins of the world, or he's a crazy blasphemy that deserved the cross, he deserved to die in good riddance. Then you also have to say, did God send a liar? Did God send a crazy man? Verse 38. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. I'm standing right before you. The Messiah that you've searched for and all your forefathers have talked about, I'm right here and you can't even see me. You're blinded by your sin and you're blinded by your religion. The religious spirit is so blinding that you can look at these scriptures, you can read these scriptures, we can sit down and labor through these scriptures, but if you are possessed by a religious spirit here tonight, you will be blinded and you can't see it. That's why a Jehovah Witness can go through the, I can sit a Jehovah Witness down and we can go through these scriptures and I can show them how Jesus is God, that he's the Messiah, that he's not a created angel, that he's not Archangel Michael, and they can't see it. They're blinded by a religious spirit. The watchtower has blinded them. Unless Christ should lift the veil, it's why the Mormon can't see it. They think that he's Satan's brother and that they drew straws to figure out which one would come here. And that Jesus is just another one of many gods 
and that the father just had sex with some woman, another goddess and made all kinds of spirit babies. And then we're, and then if you are good in, in your works, you might be able to inherit a, 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 a universe of your own and become a god. And oh, ladies, oh, it gets even better for you. You get to be perpetually pregnant if you're a Mormon in heaven, forever pregnant. It's beautiful. Aren't you excited about that? You excited about that, being perpetually pregnant? <laughs> and Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons both teach a work salvation. You got to work for it. You got to earn it. But they can't see it because of the religious spirit. It blinds you from seeing who Jesus really is. And they were blinded as God incarnate, as God, the second person of the Trinity. God in the flesh stood before him, their Messiah, their King. And they couldn't see it. You search the scriptures, verse 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are which testify of me. The Pharisees were really good at knowing the scripture. Remember we talked about Nicodemus. It was, he probably had a third of the scripture completely memorized of the Old Testament. I'm lucky to have one scripture memorized. I have a lot memorized, but I'm not really good with chapters and verses because I don't study that way. But he had a third of the Old Testament memorized. And many of the Pharisees did. This was their whole thing. This, was, this is what they were all about is the scriptures. Because it gave them knowledge, and with knowledge gave them power, and they felt like they were elite and better than. Have you ever ran into somebody like that? Who they have a lot of Bible knowledge, but they are stinky McStinkersons, right? Religious spirit, oh, they have knowledge though. So I think Jermike had said something about somebody on Sunday, and I can't remember his name, where he's an atheist, and he has, he like has half the Bible memorized. He's an atheist. You can memorize this word. You can read it day and night, and you can even understand some of it. But without the Holy Spirit of God, it is going to be foolishness to you. Because you cannot understand this word without the illuminate of the Holy Spirit. It is You must have a supernatural born-again experience to fully understand what these scriptures are teaching in context from beginning to end. And he's saying, you guys search the scriptures day and night. And you think because you know all this scripture, you think because you have so much of the Bible memorized, the Old Testament, that that's your eternity. That's where you're going to be saved. Works. Now listen, you all know me. You better know your Bibles. You need to know your scripture for yourself. Because false teachers and false prophets abound. YouTube is full of them. Articles everywhere. And if you don't know this, if you do not know your Bible for yourself, you're going to drink the Kool-Aid. It's going to happen. You'll be like a man tossed to and fro from every wind of doctrine that someone throws at you that sounds good and looks good, has a bunch of music and pretty lights on the YouTube. They've got 20,000 followers or 200,000 followers. So they must be telling the truth. Am I right? They must be telling the truth because they've got all these followers. They're on television. They've got to be telling the truth. Know your word. But that is not where we find our salvation. We find our salvation in Christ alone, Amen. through faith alone, Amen. by the grace of God alone. And in that, we repent and put our faith in Christ Jesus. 
And the regenerated work of the Holy Spirit comes and seals us and makes a home in us. And then are, we are illuminated. And your greatest desire now becomes to learn about this God who just saved you. And now you should desire to be in the scriptures. Yeah. This is how you're going to get to know him. But this isn't what saves us. Verse 40, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. You're not willing. I, can, I am the only one that can give you eternal life. Not even the scriptures. Not all the works that you do, Nicodemus. Doesn't matter, Nicodemus, that you're the greatest teacher in Israel right now. Remember when he said that to him? I can't believe that you're the best teacher they have in Israel right now and you can't even understand being born again from heaven. They're blinded by their religion, their works, their pride, their egos. You're not willing to come to me. And I'm the only one that can give you eternal life, Jesus says. Muhammad can't do it. Kursna can't do it. The Mormon God, Jehovah Witness God can't do it. New Age ain't going to do it. I don't care how many times you read the secret or the the speak it out, name it and claim it. I don't care. It can't save you. I don't care how good you are. Remember we talked about last week about the courtroom and God's a good judge. And we're all going to stand there. And it isn't going to matter that you walked granny across the street every day. If you're not born again, you stand there in your sin and in your trespasses. And God's going to be a good God, and he's a just God, and he's going to be just in sending us to hell. We must be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I don't receive honor from men. I'm here to please God. If you're still seeking honor from men here tonight, you're never going to be fulfilled. The devil will use every man and woman in your life to control you, to manipulate you, to give you to, to reject you so you walk around with a spirit of rejection. See, the Pharisees, they were all about status. They were all about getting up the ranks and becoming the high Pharisees and the, and the high teachers and having like their own little following and having their own little disciples who would just adore them and, and basically worship them and their action. Oh, Nicodemus. Oh, I got to go to Nicodemus's house. Oh, he's such a great teacher. And they all, and they would compare themselves to each other and they would give each other attaboys on the back and it was all about the outward appearance and that pride and setting themselves up upon to be worshipped and adored. And Jesus says, but she, I don't receive honor from men. See, I'm not here for that. I'm here to point you guys to the Father. I'm here to glorify the Father. I'm here to do the will of the Father. I'm here to die for the sins of the world to obey the Father. I'm here to point everyone to him. And we'll see him do that in chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, how it's all about the Father, doing the will of the Father. Jesus is creator. He didn't need, he doesn't need, he doesn't need anything from his creation. The fact that he came and died for you was his love. Obedience to the Father and love for you is why he died on the cross. Not because he needs you. Not because he's not fulfilled without you. Remember, he's, he's self-existent. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Now, this, this statement just seems so like, eh. You know, he's reading their hearts. He knows their heart. 
So he knows they don't love God. What's the scriptures talks about? You worship me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Right? right? How many people are going to show up on judgment day, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, and they're going to profess Lord, Lord. And then they're going to say, didn't I do all these works? I prophesied, sign, wonder, miracle. I cast out demons, sign, wonder, miracle. And I performed healings, sign, wonder, miracle. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of sin. But he's saying, I know the hearts of all men. Remember, he's omniscient. And I know you don't love the Father. You guys are playing church. You guys have just found a great religion where you're being worshipped and you're being adored. And you've got control of the people. Power, control, ego, pride. And I thought it was really interesting because when... One thing about the Pharisees, I don't know if you guys, you guys know about the phylacteries where they would wear the phylacteries and they'd either wear them on their forehead or they'd strap them to their wrist. And they were this big, they were these boxes. And these boxes would show like how much scripture they've memorized. So the bigger the box you had strapped to you would just show how much, how much more awesome you were. Look at all the scriptures I've memorized. Look at all I know. And the very verse, the life verse that's on that scripture or the, on the box, the very life verse that every Pharisee has written on that box, first and foremost, is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8. And we're going to read it. Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8. Because I thought this was really interesting So what, to, to really show what Jesus is saying here, but also to give you another look at the religious spirit and the works that they like to do. They twist the scriptures. Religious spirits twist the scriptures. What does Satan do? Twist the scriptures. Always. You want to know a false teacher? They twist the scripture. That's why you must know it for yourself because they make it sound good. They'll use the scripture to teach you false doctrine. And there'll be a little bit of truth in their false doctrine. That's how they catch you. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Now, we know that that means that we live out our profession of faith in all that we do in our works, when we're at work, when we're at home, when we're talking to our neighbors, when we're on the streets. We love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're obedient children to him, and we're pointing people to him. They, they took that, literally, and turned it into a law or a thing so they could put it on their wrist and between their forehead, on before their four eyes. This is what the religious spirit does. It will take the word, twist it, and then bind you with it. Bind you. And put bounds around you that they themselves, Jesus is going to talk to them pretty soon, later on about that, putting, actually that's Matthew. Mm -hmm. Matthew, woe to the Pharisees. You put binds around people that you yourselves can't even keep. And who's to say they even knew the scriptures that they had on there? It was just about them looking better, like, oh, you, 
That's all you got is a quarter size phylactery? <laughs> Look at mine. I can barely walk it so heavy. <laughs> right? And then they put the long tassels on. And the longer the tassels, the holier they were. So they'd have tassels like hanging on the floor. <laughs> so when very prideful. So when Jesus literally says to them, you don't love God, he's literally smacking them in the face against their own life verse that they wear on their wrist and on their forehead. Seems so little to us, but when you really understand who this audience is, and man, so it's no wonder they were so angry, right? He says, you guys don't love God. Throw them phylacteries away and toss those ropes hanging off your robe. It's all for show so that you can get more adoration, more worship, so people can be like, oh, that's so-and-so walking down the street. They're so holy. I wish I could be like them. 43, I've come to my father's name, and you don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you'll receive. Now, they knew what this meant, to come in the father's name is to come on behalf of the Father. Jesus came to earth on behalf of the Father to save mankind from their sins. But they, they, would, receive, they would receive other men that came to glorify themselves, or they were really, Pharisees were really good at knowing who to buddy up with. James talks about that. A rich man comes into the congregation and everyone just, oh, give him the front row seat. Give them the front row seat. Oh, let's, it's, the, it's the rich man. He's here. But the poor people would come and they'd make him stand in the back. And that's exactly what the Pharisee spirit, that religious spirit does. It props up those that can get you to higher places. And it tells the least of these, stay in the back. How will, how can you believe who receive honor from one another. You all receive honor from each other. You love giving each other honor. You love patting each other on the back. You love being, sitting in the high places together, going to Ken Stewart's together, going to the expensive restaurants together. You love spending time driving your Mercedes together, having the big jets and flying around the world together. Tell me you don't see that with false teachers. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're all together. And... We're not worthy. He says, how can you believe you receive honor from one another and you don't seek the honor that comes from only God? You don't receive me. You'll receive the rich man. You'll receive other people. You'll receive false prophets and false Christs that come. And, and you'll receive them because they, they'll, they'll prop you up and they're going to tell you everything you want to know. And they're going to tickle your ears. But you don't receive me. And the only thing I'm doing is I'm pointing everything back to the Father. I'm here only to glorify the Father. To reconcile the world back to the Father. But see, you don't want that. Because I'm not promising you to take down Rome. Or to put you guys in a high place. Or to make Jerusalem. I'm not promising to be your king right now, today. He will be when he comes back. King and King and Lord of Lords. See, there was a lot of false prophets and a lot of false Christs that came. Josephus writes about them. That even after Jesus' time, there was all these false Christs that would come. And they were all the same. Look at me, and I'm going to help you take down Rome. I'm going to help you take down your enemies, and then you all can just worship me. I'm going to give you comfort. I'm going to give you worldly goods. I'm going to make life much more comfortable because I'm going to make the Jewish people the best, and we're going to take down Rome, and we're going to make you guys the most powerful people in the world. And they would just fall after that. Oh, finally, our Messiah, our Christ. 
because they wanted here on this earth to be propped up, to be comfortable, to have their flesh satisfied and pleasured. But Jesus was here to point them to eternity, to being born again, to an eternal kingdom, to be reconciled back to the Father, and they wanted nothing to do with it because that would mean what? Lay down your pride, your ego, take them tassels off, and burn those phylacteries. And guess what? You're also going to lose the admiration of men and women who here has lost friends and people in your life and family and respect from others just for your walk with Christ. If you haven't, then you need to relook at your life with Christ. Because we're not greater than our master. And he said, if they hated me and took me to the cross, how much more are they going to hate you? So if you have a lot of friends and a lot of people that are secular that love hanging out with you, then there's something wrong with your walk. Now, I'm not saying we're to be snotty and haughty and self-righteous. We want to preach the gospel and love people. But if they don't want your Jesus, they're not going to want you for very long either. Unless you're compromised. Unless you're compromised. That's for somebody. That's, that's even for me. I mean, I got I to gotta evaluate my own walk. But that's the truth. Do not think, 45, do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accused you, Moses, in whom you trust. They loved the Torah. The first five books of the Old Testament was written by Moses. And they would search through the Torah and they'd memorize the Torah. And it was all about the Torah. And they would lift up the Torah. And they were so awesome because they had the Torah memorized. And he's saying, Moses spoke about me. He told you I was coming. You can't see me because you're blinded by your religion. So you know who's going to be accusing you on Judgment Day? Moses. It's about to get rowdy because Moses is going to be like standing there like the one you like, you guys supposedly like adore. Moses wrote the first five books. So you all memorize and have in your phylacteries. Yep. He, I won't even, not that God, not that Jesus can't accuse them. He certainly can. He said, I'm not even going to have to accuse you. You guys are already going to be finished with Moses. I'm not going to have to go any further. You're already going to be in hell, eternal fire, just with Moses' writings alone. Because you guys are the ones that carry the Torah. You guys have so much pride in the fact that you're the Jewish people, that you have the scriptures of God, that you know the one true God, that you have the first five books of the Torah, that you guys are the ones that read and understand it. And yet you can't even see the one who is the word, is the word. Who is Jesus? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The very word that you guys worship and adore is standing right in front of you. And you can't see him. So I won't need to accuse you. Moses, who wrote it, will accuse you. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you don't believe his writings, how are you going to believe my words? You don't actually believe the word. How many of us read the word and don't actually believe it? We had that video just a couple nights ago about the pornography and the sexual immorality. How often do we read all those scriptures on sexual immorality and that God's judgment is coming? The wrath of God is coming for, because of sexual immorality. And that pornography is adultery. If you guys didn't see that video, watch it. It's from Tuesday night on hashtag be the church. But 
we go through all the scriptures in the New Testament, almost every single letter written in the New Testament, other than I think two or three, talks about sexual immorality and pornography and idolatry, covetousness and idolatry, and that God's going to judge it. So how often do we ourselves here, professing believers in this living room, read the scriptures and we don't believe it either? Because it hits our flesh. It means we might have to give something up. It means we have to die to our flesh in an area of our life. Are we just like the Pharisees? Do we go out and preach the gospel, tell people about Jesus, but behind closed doors we're living a secret life of sin ourselves? Are we dead man's bones? Are we putting binds around people that we ourselves aren't keeping? Do we go and help the prostitutes on the streets and work with the sex slave industry and tell people how tell strippers how they can be set free and let me tell you about my Jesus and let me pray with you? Meanwhile, I'm watching other people that are bound in sex slave industry and pornography to pleasure myself. Right? Am I sitting there telling the drug addict and the and the and the, the person who's on drugs and alcohol, get off the drugs and alcohol? Let me, I, I got the answer, it's Jesus. Meanwhile, I'm gorging myself with sugar and flour. Get serious. We never want to be found as the hypocrite and the Pharisee. It's what the world has seen for so long, especially in America. Religious people, so good at preaching it, but not living it. We just had another... I, he's not a pastor, he's not an elder, not called by God, but another man of the pulpit, 20 plus years, preaching, preaching the gospel, and just recently steps down this week. Says he no longer believes in God. Yeah. Why? Because he's having an adulterous affair, and he wants, the, he wants the younger woman, and he wants to leave his wife and the kids, and he doesn't want the accountability. But here's the problem. If... The congregation would have been reading the Bibles for themselves. They would have known that he was likely a false teacher because here he was really into Greek mythology and preached a lot about Greek mythology in his sermons. Red flag! Hmm. Right? But we ourselves go to church on Sundays and we all sit there and we wait for the one man to give us the sermon. We take it, we eat it, and we walk away and go, oh, that was great, I feel so much better, I'm going to go on with my week now. And we don't take it back and check it for ourselves. As you guys should be doing with me every Friday and Thursdays. And anybody else that's teaching on, in BTC. Read it for yourself. Study it out. And ask questions. There are going to be things in the non-essential realm that we're not all going to agree on. Pre, mid, post-trip. Right there. I just gave you three. Non-essentials, though, we don't divide over those, right? There's going to be certain things that we're not going to agree completely on. Sensationism versus continuism. Are the gifts for the day or are they not for today? Might not, we might not come to the same conclusion on that. We don't divide. But know, know why you believe what you believe 
Search it out for yourself. John wrote this gospel. Remember why John wrote this gospel? It was to show us Christ's deity. This is considered the gospel. This is the gospel that's universal, and it's the one that's giving eternal life. John wants to show every man and woman who reads this gospel that he wrote the, di the divinity of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is the savior of the world. His whole purpose in this gospel is to show you that God, that he is fully God, that he is fully man, and that he is the Messiah. And that's his whole point of writing this gospel is to show you to the person of Jesus Christ. So if you're not seeing that in here today, there's a disconnect. And that's all I have. We'll go into chapter 6 next week, and that's when he's going to feed the 5,000 with 